Welcome to another episode of the Chit Chat Podcast made by South Asians for South Asians, brought to you by Natalia and Reza. And we're talking to the trailblazers of our community about their stories and their successes. And this has been a pipe dream for us, for both of us, for a while. So we're really, really looking forward to learning and growing with you all. We are excited to continue this journey by delving into the stories, experiences, and perspectives that shape our society. Our aim is to celebrate accomplishments, explore hardships, and highlight the South Asian individuals that are driving change. And so without further ado, we are so excited to have Hollywood producer Rishika Advani Tartaglia on today's episode. And so the first question that we kind of have for you is just, I guess, to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started to work in Hollywood. Well, let's see. I started working in nonfiction television over 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, maybe. My first job out of college was working in public relations, entertainment PR, and I was like a junior publicist, and I was working with actors, comedians, films, that kind of thing. It was great, but it was not for me. So I did that for a couple of years, and I saved up some money, and I quit, and I moved to Mumbai, actually. And I made my own film. I borrowed a camera. I had this idea. I made a documentary. I hired a little crew there. And I came back and I had some friends that were editors and they edited it for free. And I really had no idea what I was doing, but I just did it. And then I submitted it to some festivals. And it was actually like South Asian film festivals that took it right away. And it did really well on the festival circuit. And there, I actually started meeting a lot of South Asian creators and filmmakers. And we were a tiny little young group in our 20s, like trying to figure out our way around Hollywood. And we just helped each other along the way the whole time. And today, I'm still friends with a lot of those people, and they're incredibly successful. That's really how I started. And then for the last three years, I've been working at CNN as the director of original series, where I oversee the documentaries that air there. So I work with the producers and the directors and the production companies and kind of oversee the creative on that. So it's been really, really incredible. And I'm so grateful for for what I do. What inspired that move to Bombay? Oh, gosh. You know what? Working in PR, it's great. It's a great job if anybody wants to do it. But I was so sick of promoting other people's projects and films and TV shows and stand-up comedy. I'm like, these guys are so incredibly creative, but I want to do that. But I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I wanted to sort of be a creator. So I was like, instead of spending all my time and energy promoting other people, I'm just going to do my thing. Sorry, my cat's really irritating right now. I don't know if you... <laughs> so that's what inspired me, working in PR and realizing it wasn't for me. But I have to say, like, ever since I was a kid, I was curious about everything and wanted to know everybody's story. Everybody from somebody walking down the street to, you know, I used to go to India. I'm like, who are these kids living on the street? Like, what is their story? How do they go to school? You know? And I just had this curiosity about other people and like wanting to know what do we all have in common? Like, there has to be something. And that drew me to documentary, which is truly like why I do what I do. I just love hearing people's stories and just amplifying them. But I have to say, I did transition to reality TV, which was a blast. But that's, that's, you know, it wasn't documentary. It was like reality TV. But that's where the work was. So that's why I did that for many years. That's where I met my husband. I've actually always been curious about this. So did you major in film in college? No, I majored in sociology with an emphasis in media analysis. But I did make a couple documentaries in college. And one of them was called like, Masala, the evolving identity of the Indian American woman, right? <laughs> so yeah. it was sort of similar to this. But I just interviewed all my like Indian American friends and like, you know, talk about the duality and like 
being in America, but your parents want you to be Indian and da 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 da. I wanted to hear their story because I so identified with it. So I did not major in film. I figured it out all on my own just by doing. So what did that transition kind of look like from college and further education into your first full-time job? Like, how did you come to land that? It was so hard at that time because there was like no Google or like whatever job listings (laughs) exist today. I did a lot of like temp work for studios like, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney. And I worked answering phones and stuff. And then I did PA work, production assistant work on sets. I just learned about little jobs through word of mouth. And I worked a bit with Priority Records, which was the rap label. So I like worked with Ice Cube for one day. I did some really cool jobs when I first started. But I was like, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. But it was like the lowest of the low on the totem pole. But I didn't care. That was what I was qualified to do. Like I just worked my ass off. I did everything to learn and to just get a little bit of money also. And then, you know, I went to UCLA. I went to UC Santa Cruz, but I went to the job board at UCLA because I lived in LA. And they had like jobs listed. And I think that's how I found my first job. The PR, the real job with the like the benefits and everything, you know. So through, through UCLA job board, I think that's how I found it. Yeah. And I guess like with your documentaries, like the Indian American woman, like what kind of like drove you to kind of explore like South Asian film? And like, I know you've done films in the past, like Meet the Patels and like other stuff like that. What kind of like drew you into the South Asian like storytelling landscape? I think anybody, they want to know a little bit of their story, no matter who they are. Like, you know, Martin Scorsese will do films on the Italian American experience or, you know, Ali Wong will do a really great film, whatever it is. Like, you know, like we all kind of want to dig into our culture and bring it out, not only to expose others to it, but also to kind of learn about it, our, you know, ourselves. And you kind of want to do what you know first in anything, like in, as a creator, you want to kind of check that off. So it's what I knew, but I didn't know everything. It was, it gave me an access point to, a, like I had access to Indian American students, obviously, because that's what I was. And then through that access, I was able to open up their stories and create a little film, which was probably really horrible because I literally was like asking questions. I didn't know what I was doing, but I filmed it on film and video and I tried to make it really artistic. And it was like, oh, yeah, it was this like black and white footage of a woman putting on a sari and like intercutting everything. <laughs> and then, like at the end, she's like playing with the sari. And it's this like symbolism of like, I am who I am no matter what kind of thing. It was just one of those <laughs> funny things. What are, um, over the course of your career, what would you say some of the most memorable projects that you've made have been, especially the ones that are, that have been directed towards, I guess, the South Asian audience? Oh yeah. Well, Natalia, you mentioned Meet the Patels. That was made by one of my really good friends, Geetha Patel. She brought me in early on just to sort of consult on it. And then I ended up helping her throughout the way just making sense of the story she was trying to tell. It was, I don't know if you ever saw, I'm, no, no. <laughs> did you ever see Meet the Patels, Natalia? No, I didn't. But didn't my mom go to the premiere and meet yeah. Mindy Kaling and meet I'm all the celebrities? I took her to the premiere. She was my date to one of the premieres. But I did take her to a Mindy Kaling event separately. That was the Mindy Project, I think. It was a Mindy Project event. But so Meet the oh, Patels. Wow. Yeah. My really good friend Geetha was making this film about her brother Ravi Patel he had this girlfriend who was a white American woman. He'd never told his parents about her, a Gujarati family. And he really wants to tell them about her, but they really want him to get married to, you know, an Indian arranged marriage thing. So it was this sort of major conflict of like, do I do the Indian 
arranged marriage thing and please my parents or do I stay with this woman that I love and is she going to, you know, that whole thing. So Gita started filming her brother during this time. And like I said, she kind of brought me in just to talk about the ideas and what are we doing and how are we filming this and what's the beginning, middle and end and what are we covering. And so I helped her with that. That was a really great film. It felt formless at times, but it really came together and it did really, really well. It won a bunch of awards. It was nominated for an Emmy and it was really exciting for all of us. It took years to make. And so that was definitely speaking to the South Asian experience and also the American, Indian American experience. And something that so many of us deal with, I dealt with, I married an Italian American guy. I mean, you guys are young, you live in America, who knows what's going to happen with you two, but it's a conversation that not just Indian Americans face, I'm sure other cultures, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really cool that you kind of branched out and found the intersectionality between being Indian and being American and, and tying that. What was your role in the film? Were you a producer? Yeah, I was a consulting producer and I'm in the film with my husband as well. Um, oh, wow. Ravi's the main guy. He interviews us, my husband and I, talking about like, how did you make it work being Indian and non-Indian and how are you raising your kids? And we talked about that. Like, yeah, it's tricky, but we do it. You know, like we raised my, our kids are Catholic and Sikh. Like they did the whole baptism and first communion thing and they go to the Gurdwara, the Sikh temple. So, you know. Mm. And uh, just for those audience that are listening and aren't aware of the film, it received an 87% on Ron Tomatoes. And just like Miss Tartaglia mentioned, it was nominated for an Emmy. So uh, pretty big stuff. Pretty big stuff by Miss Tartaglia. Props to you. Well, thank you. But it was really Geetha and Ravi. I just sort of... But I did a lot of the matchmaking. That was a big part of the film. I, I helped Ravi find a bunch of dates, too. I was a matchmaker slash producer. <laughs> yeah. And I guess kind of going back to like the nominated for an Emmy thing, I swear I've been over at your house a couple times and Maya is like, let me show you. Let me show you the Emmy. Let me show you the Emmy. Can you talk a little bit about like your Emmy and other like Emmy nominations that you have and Oh, well, at CNN, I've been very, very, very lucky to work on so many incredible shows. And one of the shows that I work on is Stanley Tucci Searching for Italy. And that series won an Emmy last year for best hosted nonfiction or whatever. And so the show won an Emmy for that. It was really exciting. And it's actually nominated again this year. I think the Emmys are going to be in January. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. Is that ever the goal for when you work a film or a series? Is, is it ever chasing those awards? Not for me. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, it'd be great if this won an Emmy. But ultimately, you just want to create good content, <laughs> you know? I'm not really... It's really nice to have an Emmy on my shelf, but I don't do it for that at all. I do it for, like, digging into the story. And really, this might sound super cliche or whatever, but, like, I really want people to learn from stuff that I do. And again, I've done a lot of crappy stuff, too. <laughs> Not crappy, I shouldn't say crappy, but a lot of like, you know, less than perfect. Mm -hmm. Entertaining. But ultimately, like, I, you know, I want some takeaway from the stuff that I work on. Okay. Yeah. So when you're making these films, especially the ones that are about South Asians, how do you find that balance between uh, kind of promoting South Asian culture while also making films that appeal to a global and broader audience? I think everything relates to the human experience, whether you're South Asian or Italian or whatever you are. It's like I said, searching for Italy was not just about being Italian. Or I did searching for Mexico with Eva Longoria. That wasn't, it was just about food, family, 
and the human experience. So it's just another avenue to something that we can all relate to. Relationships. Mita Patel's was about family. It was a like a love story to one's family and relationships. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, yes, typically Indian, there were things, but ultimately it was a mother and a son and a father and a sister and a girlfriend. Like we all relate to that stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects or any upcoming ones that you're excited about? Well, I can talk about a couple of them. I'm not allowed. <laughs> but they're documentaries <laughs> that haven't been officially announced yet. They're like historical documentaries. Let me see. Sorry to interrupt. I saw, I'm a big LeBron James guy. I see, saw See It Loud, uh, which is a series that, well, I didn't see the series. I, I want to now. Because I discovered it today, but I saw that it was, you know, it's produced by LeBron and Maverick. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because at least for me, that's, that's, that's awesome. Like the fact well, that you're working even indirectly with them is the yeah. coolest thing ever. That, that's my dream. I want to work with LeBron and Mav. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they, I have to say like, I did not work directly with them at all. I mean, the, this was a series. Okay. See it loud. History of black television was a series that we did at CNN with LeBron and Maverick's company called Spring Hill. Spring Hill produced the series and we at CNN worked with them to produce it and oversee it and all that. And it was really, really, really well done. And there were some really incredible people interviewed in it. And it just aired like a month or two ago. But that was the kind of shows that we do at CNN where it's like pop culture, but historical and takeaway information and like lots of really interesting voices talking about like a familiar subject. But I can't speak to LeBron or Maverick because I didn't work directly with them. But I did work with them. <laughs> and they were really yeah. wonderful. I really love them. Mm-hmm. So uh, what inspired you to take the position that you're currently at CNN? I love the programming that they do. I love the people that work there. I mean, full disclosure, there have been a lot of changes at CNN. We just, the company merged with Discovery and there have been a lot of layoffs and all these things are happening right now. So things are not great this moment. but. I think my three years has been incredible and I've worked on, gosh, so many wonderful projects that I'm really proud of and excited about. And some of those are now airing on Discovery or Max, I guess Max is the new thing that they're calling it. So they still live. And I worked on a series with Lisa Ling called This Is Life, which was really cool. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Because I'm only going to be there now until just for a few more weeks and I'm moving on to something else, which is TBD. But that's wow. the nature of this business. You do some stuff, you work, and then you move on and, you know. Yeah. Well, I just had a question. I'm not really, like, too familiar with the writer strike or the actor strike, but actors or writer strike, does it affect your position at CNN or does it affect your job in any way? Not directly. Because we're in documentary and unscripted, we don't work with writers. It's- we work with producers oh, and we don't okay. really work with actors. I mean, of course, like shows like Stanley Tucci and stuff, but those are in production right now. But I mean, everybody in LA is sort of affected. Like my hair lady is like, I'm losing all my clients. And if we need a VO person, we might need a VO person for a show. And it's impossible. Obviously we can't get a voiceover actor to do it because of the strike. So in that way, it, it, there's a little trickiness to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, unfortunate situation like i even saw i think like, the actors from like never have i ever were at some of the oh yeah writers i mean not the writers some of the actor strikes so everybody's out there it's yeah yeah hopefully it'll get resolved soon 
So, uh, you know, kind of on the topic of Never Have I Ever, I personally have seen like kind of a rise in, in Brown films recently. You know, that being an example, the Mindy Project, as you mentioned earlier, that being a great example. Some of those, uh, and then we also see different figures in new fields, like even comedy, like Hassan Minaj, you know, we see him and we see Riz Ahmed doing his thing also in the film industry. He's been doing it for a bit though. What do you see as kind of the future of South Asian filmmaking and acting and kind of our presence as a group in Hollywood? I think it's just continuing to expand and there's such an appetite for it. Like even the Bollywood shows on Netflix are doing really well. I mean, ultimately a good story is a good story, no matter who's telling it. And I think South Asian stories in particular are so layered and have so much history and character and depth. There's just so much to mine in that area. I just think it's only going to get better. I really do. I'm not just saying yeah. The way that we ended on like the future about it is really good. But I guess another question that I did want to ask was, I was like looking at your IMDb and something about the Brown Girls Doc Mafia. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm so curious to know what that is. Is that on there? I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, maybe it's like on my LinkedIn. It's really cool. I'm in this group called Brown Girls Doc Mafia. I don't remember who it was started by, but it is a group of women of color that work in documentary. They're meeting sometimes, or there's job listings, or, you know, a couple of years at Sundance, it was virtual Sundance because it was the, you know, COVID. There was like a meetup thing where we talked to lots of other filmmakers. So it's just one of those groups that it doesn't, not just South Asian, it's like any BIPOC woman mm-hmm. is, can be in it that's in documentary. So can you speak more about? I'm really curious to know, because you mentioned earlier in the episode, you were talking about how in your early days, you were with a group of South Asians and you guys were all you know, hungry to succeed and you'd all support each other and help each other out. Can you talk about that kind of niche community in Hollywood? Do, do, are you still kind of in those same circles or now that you're on to bigger things, is it a little no. more broad? No, no, no. I think I am. I mean, like my friend Geetha, who made Meet the Patels, I met her through this group. It was called Art Vala. And it was just a group of young South Asian filmmakers in LA. And she is now doing so incredibly well. She actually directed the Mindy Project. She's now directing House of Dragon in London. Like she's a really exceptionally talented director. And then another friend of mine is like governor of the Emmys. And she's also from that group. She's also South Asian. And she's producing all sorts of incredible stuff. And then I just recently ran, I went to this party and there were a couple of people there that were in that group 20 something years ago. And I ran into them and the director was, had just finished this movie called The Four Samosas and his wife is an actress and he's, they're all striking right now though. But so everybody is just, has moved on to do really great things. And when we see each other after 25 years, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So it's been a really great resourceful group and many of us have definitely oh cal penn was part of that group i didn't know him then but um i know he was in that group too so yeah a lot of people like oh my god you watch tv and you're like oh my god there's that guy (laughs) you know like (laughs) they're all doing really well so it really helps help others especially in in a community like ours south asians like you kind of have this secondhand when you talked to like you two, like you met and you, you know, like, oh, wait, I kind of know your family. I don't know your family, but I know your family. You've got this like secondhand thing. And so you have that instant connection. It just stays forever, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Growing up and even in your 20s, what was that kind of like telling your family or telling your parents that you want to go into an industry like film? Because at <laughs> least for our parents, like yeah. that 
that was never an option, right? It, it's not considered like a safe industry, right? You know, to, both of Natalia's parents are doctors. My mom worked in the medical field too, and my dad's a lawyer. So what was that kind of like? Well, I, I certainly, and Natalia knows this because she knows my mom, but <laughs> I was not raised in a very traditional, much of my family is very traditional, but you know, my mom was a single mom and she started her own PR company and kind of like didn't do entertainment stuff. But now she's a writer. So she was always kind of thinking outside the box to begin with. And she was very supportive. And I, I think when I was really young, like yeah, like 20s, she would take me to documentaries and to festivals and stuff. So she exposed me to that. So I think she was never like, you're going to be a doctor because that was just not in my cards. <laughs> and she was not a doctor. And she was like I said, very non-traditional. So I didn't have that. I know a lot of people do for sure, but that wasn't my path. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely kind of speak on that. Like when I was going to go to Paso and I'm hanging out with non- Maya's Nanima, like she always has like these fashion magazines and she's always showing her like these like designer jewelry or like handbags. And I guess like there's kind of like a contrast there to my grandmother. I mean, I guess my grandmother does have you know, maybe some designer bags, like cute bags. But I remember the other day I went with my grandma and we were at Costco for three hours. That sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, but I'm lucky that way. Is there a, I guess from how you were raised by your single mother, is are there any values or ideals that you take from your childhood and kind of use them to raise raise your kids? You know, we saw your son knocking on the door uh, earlier. Is Are you kind of employing... Like, are you trying to instill the same values that your mom did in you to your kids, for example? Yeah, I think my mom's very creative. I mean, my, my parents were divorced. I, my, I was close to my dad, too. And he was a, definitely a very hardworking person. I think both of them just worked really hard. And I work hard. And my husband works hard. And I hope that we instill that in our kids. And also, like, nothing's worth the stress. Like, just do what you love, but work hard at it, you know? And I think with my mom, Natalia, you've probably seen this, like she looks for the joy in everything. Like she really does. Like she's just like, ooh, this is fun. Let's try that. Ooh, this is cool. Let's do this. And so I think in my work, I look for the joy in the shows that I work on or the people I work with. It's like, that's what I love. And I want my kids to do that too. Yeah. And I mean, if you like to kind of close it off and to end it off, like if you have a message to people like your kids and people like us, Kind of what is one message that you would have to them, especially oh. South Asian kids? Oh, South Asian kids. I hate to say just do what you love because sometimes that can just be a hobby. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, with Maya, she's 16 now and she's your age. She's looking into colleges and stuff. And I'm like, what is it that interests you? Is it psychology or like she's thinking maybe politics or something? And like kind of like follow that path and see where it leads you. But if it's not okay, it's okay to find a new path. Like, I truly think that life is short. So I think you just follow the path that interests you and then you just see where it leads you. You know, I don't think right. um, I think that's a great note to kind of end on. Thank you, Miss Tartaglia. We really appreciate yeah, you taking you. the time out of your night to spend with us and, and talk about your career and your identity. We really enjoyed it. Also to the viewers, if you haven't picked up on it by now, Natalia and Miss Tartaglia have known each other for a while. Um, yeah. So thank you to Natalia for reaching out to Miss Tartaglia and making this happen. We're really glad to be able to spend this time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was so thank fun, Thank you guys. so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. To our viewers, 
Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Watch our other episodes. Share with your friends. Share with all the brown people and all the non-brown people you know. We would really appreciate the support. Thank you guys and see you in the next one.